You know, Yo Miss, I just love our listeners. I do too, Mr. E. And not just because they improve our download numbers. And because we love our listeners so much, we want them to stay healthy and their families and colleagues too. That is why we want to come out and say, get vaccinated against COVID-19. When more people are vaccinated against COVID, it improves our chances of getting back to our regularly scheduled lives. To find out where you can get vaccinated anywhere in the U.S., go to vaccines.gov or call 800-232-0233. Let's do this for ourselves, our families, and our communities. So stay safe. And remember to get vaccinated. Well, This Beyond the Test is not a show about being a better teacher. We can't help you there. We can, however, give teachers a voice to tell their stories and to speak their minds. So sit down, get comfy, and let us distract you from that stack of papers or your flooded inbox with stories from teachers just like you. Don't worry, there won't be a quiz at the end. Welcome to Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod. Two teachers explore the realities of education. This week, we're asking the question every teacher has an answer to. What is one thing you would change in education? I'm your host, Yo Miss. And I'm your co-host, Mr. E. Yo Miss, um, shit really popped off here in in Arkansas, (laughs) COVID-wise. What happened? Um, I don't know. Our numbers are just, I mean, and it's, you know, it's not unique to Arkansas, but my son's school district went virtual for Thursday and Friday. Mine went virtual on Friday. Yeah. It's just, our numbers are skyrocketing. So are you going to be virtual this coming week or was it just a one day thing? Not as far as I know, Hmm. As, as far as I know, it's just, well, Friday and then the long weekend. I'm not sure what that accomplishes, but hey, you know, I, I enjoyed the long weekend. Yeah, true. But, you know, it's only 8.20 your time. So there's still time for them to say, hey, guess what we're doing tomorrow? We're going virtual again. That's true. And it wouldn't surprise me if they if they did that last minute because we got the announcement on Thursday that we were going virtual on Friday about two minutes before the final bell. Yeah. So that was fun. See here, because our numbers are starting to plateau, schools are tending to go back after being virtual for the first couple of weeks of the uh, year. And the town in which I live, the superintendent sends out a a letter and and a phone blast and all this. And I, I read it and it's like, he might as well have just said, we're going back to school. I don't give a who's sick like it was just like so militant it really was it was like i i am determined that we're going back and it's just like okay but do you have people to teach the kids i mean mm, you know know? it's funny at my my son's school they had to make changes to the lunch schedule because they were down to like four cafeteria workers oh geez (laughs) and you know it in, in my kids district it at least kind of made sense because they went virtual for Thursday and Friday, and then they had three days for the long weekend. So five days total. Mm-hmm. And, and that made sense because, you know, five days was the amount of time that 
kids have to quarantine if they're positive. Right. Okay? So that, that made sense to me. But my district only doing four days doesn't account for that. So like, why didn't they just give us that fifth day? I, it doesn't make sense to me. Are you surprised that something happened that didn't make sense? I mean, oh no, not at all. You know, my, as as I mentioned in our last recording, my old district went to you know half days because they've determined because clearly our superintendent is also an epidemiologist. She's determined that it's it's lunchtime that's the problem because you know in the classroom COVID isn't passed around. It's just you know. The, because everybody's wearing masks. And it's like, dude, you know how, how many kids and teachers are sick now because they just let them come for the half day? It's yeah. COVID, COVID does not pause for a coffee break between 9 and 12, 21. You know, it, it, you can still get it. Well, and go figure, you know, they, they take away the mask mandate for our district and people start getting sick. Like, Wow. <laughs> Amazing. I, yeah. I don't know who could have predicted such a thing, but uh, it's exhausting. It's yeah. it's just exhausting. Well, this week we actually do have a current event, and this does come from my neck of the woods or not far from me. And this story came from News 12 New Jersey, and it is entitled Wall School Board offered students accused of hazing tuition money for nearby schools. So what actually happened was there were members of the football team who participated in hazing younger members of the team. And there were rumors of video uh, with uh, a broomstick. I don't know how much you know detail that video was in. Uh, yeah. I, that could go you, in a number of different directions, yes. none of which I'd really like to discuss right now. No, we're not going to discuss that. But in any event, a bunch of these uh, football players were suspended and they were scheduled to come back to school. And apparently the district really doesn't want to deal with this. They really want to just sort of get these kids out. So they offered them tuition money, allegedly offered them tuition money so that they could go, go to another district, get out of here. And uh, like, isn't that a great thing? Like you are accused of, uh, I mean, they, they are filing complaints against several students. The Monmouth County Prosecutor's Office included charges of hazing, attempted criminal sexual contact, false imprisonment and harassment. And your reward, your prize is you get to go to private school. Get the fuck out of my school. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, amazing to me. That's, that's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, and I, I think a lot of teachers would agree that this is a pretty common problem in education today of like, there being no consequences at all. This isn't even just no consequences. This is a, almost a reward. reward. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. just like you can go. Is it you know you can go and play football at another school. You can go and and graduate from another school. You know, it's mind boggling to me. And apparently, there now a state senator is involved and and is wants to investigate the superintendent and the school board. But it's you know they want to keep their reputation clean and just get rid of the riffraff. So we'll pay them off to go away. So yeah, welcome to New Jersey. Okay, so that was our current event as usual. Not positive, but no. hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> we, we've tried. All right. So this week, 
for this episode, both Mr. E and I went out onto social media and asked the question that you're all dying to answer. If you could change one thing in education, what would it be? And the response was fantastic. Absolutely great. Yeah. I mean, on, on Twitter, biggest response I've ever seen on our account and ended up with almost 300 comments retweeted 140 times over a thousand likes. So yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. And on Facebook, actually, I want to give a shout out to the administrators of two pages where I posted this question, NJEA members and NJEA members for change. Thank you to the admins for those pages who have in the past, as well as this time, allowed me to post these questions so that we can get information and get answers. And we got uh, over 200 answers on those two pages of what people feel should be changed in education. And actually, I'm, I'm still getting I'm still getting answers like, you know, my I'll see a notification and be like, okay, we're recording tonight. Stop answering. But, um, you know, people definitely have opinions on this, as do we. So why don't we start with what we think and we'll go from there. So, Mr. E, why don't you tell us what you think should be changed in education? You know, I, I think I think grades are, I think they end up being, how do I, how do I put it? I think they end up causing more problems than they solve. Okay. And I, I feel like, and I've had to, I had to make this distinction on on Twitter a few times. I'm not talking about getting rid of grading because, okay. yeah, of course, teachers are going to say, let's get let's get rid of grading because that's that's a ton of work. No, mm. no, we still need to grade stuff. But I think the the final product that that letter grade that we need to give out, I think that kind of needs to be at least given less importance because the final product ends up being too abstract and and subjective like a b in one teacher's class is not the same as a b in another teacher's class and as as hard as you try to make it objective we are not objective creatures we're we're just mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. i think a lot of schools are forced into uh, my my school included we we are forced to give a a letter grade a percentage grade mm-hmm. in that you know, traditional grading system. An A is a 90 to 100, a B is 80 to 89%, you know, so on. And I think this is mostly because it's what parents want and expect. That's what they got when they were growing up and and they, that's what they expect. Well, it's, it's not just parents, it's a massive system. It's colleges expect yes. mm-hmm. grades places of employment ask what was your GPA it's it's an entire societal system and it's interesting that you say like you know that a B in one person's class is not the same as a B in another person's class which is actually absolutely true if you look at like equitable grading policies and and what they talk about is taking the subjective pieces out of grading sure and which is difficult to do, like when you teach language arts, but like for math, it's, it's doable. Take yeah. out the, take out the pieces that have to do with completion, with behavior, right. Right. you know, yep. and just have it and, be and on compliance yeah. and compliance. Yes. And have it be based on mastery because that is what you're supposed to be grading. And that's more 
of an objective type of grade. Yeah. And I, I've tried to do that for, for my English classes. I, I gave it a, a pretty serious go for, for about two years. And I still incorporate a lot of that into my grading as much as I possibly can, but it's, it's just so hard to do mastery based grading in English where, like you said, everything is, is subjective. Mm-hmm. I think more than anything else, aside from the subjectivity of it is the way kids kind of interact with school because of grades. Mm-hmm. You know, I find that your really high level students are, are focused on the grade. They want that A, they want those points. They're so focused about points before they even start working on an assignment. Oh, are you, are you grading this? Is this going in the grade book? Again, it's, it's really, you know, until universities, yeah. until they say, you know what, we're just going to use a standardized test or we're going to use a portfolio system you're kind of stuck and you, all yeah. you can do is, is grade as objectively as you can, or the things that are subjective have them have less weight than the objective. Things. Yeah. Un- unfortunately you're right. I mean, it, it, if there's going to be change, it's going to have to be at the college level. And unfortunately the system we have now is just, it's familiar. It's easy. Like mm-hmm. why do a, holistic approach uh, when you can just have a letter grade mm-hmm. and that tells the whole story. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah. tell the whole story. And that's the frustrating thing about it. Well, we, we did have some people agreeing with you as that what they would change would be grades. We had one person say from Twitter, I've been saying this for years, especially in the early grades. What does a C mean for a six-year-old? They need feedback and guidance. Conferencing with kids regularly on how they are doing is way more powerful. And I I know at least the system in which my children went to school as well as where I taught, they did not get letter grades in the younger grades. It was a portfolio system and it was like, you know, mastery, initial mastery, you know, whatever. There were different ways of looking at it, but it was not a letter grade. Well, and, and, and one more one more point is I, I think the, the kids that ends up hurting the most are our low-level students. You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of times they end up not caring about the grade because it's it's not relevant to them or it's too abstract or it seems too insurmountable. Like they get discouraged because they don't have a good grade and they don't feel like it's attainable for them because their skills are not where they need to be yet. And mm-hmm. if we just, if, if we focused on, just improvement with those students, I feel like, you know, we, we'd get them to buy in more if we could tell them, hey, look how much you've grown this year instead mm-hmm. of, hey, you only earned a C. Nice job, kid. You know, instead, no, you your reading comprehension improved this much. Like, that's a powerful thing. Well, I will say when I was teaching, I did share that with with the kids. I mean, I, you know, what was on their report card and honestly, it would go into comments where, you know, shows improvement, uh, you know, that kind right. of thing. Yes, if they earned a C, they earned a C. But I was very clear with them that, for example, when they were, you know, younger and doing guided reading and they'd gone from uh, an L to an R or whatever in guided reading groups. And and we used to give these tests uh, called, it was iReady, it was called. And, you know, they were kind of- We, we give that- annoying. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, kind of annoying to the kids after a certain point, but, you know, whatever it was, they knew 
their score was X in September and then it went up and then it went up again. And, you know, yeah. we shared that with them. Yeah. We're actually giving out our, our iReady awards this week when we go back and they, mm -hmm. you know, it, on one hand, yeah, it is kind of annoying because they end up taking it three times. Mm -hmm. And the third time they take it is like the week right after ACT Aspire. Mm -hmm. So they, mm -hmm. they just get like a solid like three weeks of testing, which is it's, fun. You know, yeah. like <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get to that. But yeah, yeah. Um, OK, so that was your what you would change. What I would change would be class sizes. I would absolutely have a maximum cap on class sizes for the younger grades, 15 kids, for the older grades, 20. And I know that that's a very expensive proposition because I know there, you know, you obviously need more teachers and you obviously need more class classes and, you know, classrooms and, and just but, yeah, space. Yeah. yeah. But the difference that it makes for the students in the class and, and for the teacher is just, it's, it would be worth every penny. In my opinion, it's, you know, the, the fact that you can form relationships with kids, the fact that you can recognize if a kid is struggling and actually have the time to address it with them, or if they need additional help, get it for them. And, you know, I will say like, I was fortunate a few times where I had a class of about 21, 22 kids when I was teaching fifth grade and five or six of those students were going out to resource rooms. So for science, for uh, language arts and math, I had 15 kids in the class. Wow. That's nice. And it was not just great for the kids to get that attention and to get that opportunity to learn, but the job satisfaction for me was amazing. And part of what you've got going on now in schools all over this country is teachers who have had enough, who are done. And part of it is they've got 30 kids in a class and we've got ESL kids. We have special ed kids. We have basic skills kids. We have gifted and talented kids. They're all in one room. There's too many of yeah. them and you can't address anybody's needs. And the teachers are just done. So that, that would be my thing to change. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's frustrating for sure. I've, I've been lucky enough a few times in my career to have, you know, my, I think my first year of teaching, I, I had a couple classes of like 35 plus. And then for some reason, my fourth period was 14. But then, you know, when, when I moved here, I had uh, a pre AP class, uh, not last year, but the year before that. Mm-hmm. That was um, like 17 or 18, and it was amazing. I mean, I, I got very close with all of those kids, and we ended up having just an absolute blast because we all knew each other. We were all familiar. They all knew each other because they had classes all day together. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, I don't want to say like this magical experience, but it was pretty damn close because it was fun. But uh, yeah, I think that that the the large classes are it's 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 a sin what they what it does to kids and and how how easily lost kids can get in a large class. Oh yeah, I mean every there's not a year goes by that I that the end of the year comes and I'm like, man, I I did not get it to form any kind of connection with this kid, this mm -hmm. kid, this mm -hmm. kid, this kid because they're they're quiet, 
you know, they just kind of hang back. They do their own thing. They're not great students, but they're not bad students. They just kind of slide well, you, by, you know. If you have 30 kids in the class, the ones that aren't causing you any trouble are the ones that you end up just ignoring because you're like, oh, thank God, I don't have to worry yeah, about that corner yeah. of the room. They're, they're just dependable. You know, right, they, come to, exactly. they come to school every day and they do their thing. And Exactly. But if you have, you know, 15 or 20 at the most, you can pay attention to those kids who aren't begging for your attention. Right. And that's that's how it should be, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into what other people thought. It, uh, there were obviously people who thought grading and, and class size were important, but... We also had a lot of people comment about standardized testing and doing away with standardized testing, how standardized tests are given. So I think my, my favorite uh, comment from, from Twitter here was uh, someone said, little kids with standardized testing. Can you imagine if a doctor said, if your child doesn't walk at 10 months, your child can't. Development is different for every kid. Reading happens, but not always fluently with comprehension by age nine for every kid. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that reason alone is is one reason why it's it's just not as valuable as as people seem to think it is. It's garbage. It's yeah. garbage. It's it's taking the school year, cutting it off at a certain point, and saying, okay. Now we're going to get ready for the test. And I don't give a crap about the fact that they say, well, if you've been teaching all along, you're ready for the test. No, you're not. Because there are certain things you have to learn to take these tests successfully. Yeah. You have to learn how to respond in certain ways that have nothing to do with actually learning a subject or learning how to write or learning how to solve problems or anything. And it also... It just takes up so much time to get ready for these tests and then to take these tests. And they're given, what, in April or May, where you haven't really gotten through most of, you know, all of your curriculum. So there's yeah. things on there that the kids are going to go, what the fuck is this? So you yeah. end up spending like that last week saying, I'm just going to expose them to this here. This is a graph. Okay, bye. You know, yeah. so that they don't freak <laughs> out in the middle of the test. I, you know, I used to do a pretty intense series of lessons about the writing test, the okay. ACT Aspire writing test. And here's, here's what a, 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 a one response looks like. And here's what a six response looks yes, like. Yes. Yes. Oh and, my God. And it's just like, I, I just stopped doing it. Cause I'm like, you know what? I don't give a single solitary fuck about this test. And uh, I know the kids don't either. And if they don't know how to respond to a prompt by March or April, that one lesson's not going to solve that problem. Well, let, let me ask you a question, because obviously it's different in every state. In Arkansas, if your students do badly, if they don't show growth on this test, does it impact you or your job at all? You know, it never has. Okay. Like if they really bombed it, would my principal come and talk to me? Yeah. No, no, no. Probably. I'm not I'm not talking about your principal talking to you. I'm talking about a formulaic oh. analysis where <clears throat> they say, here you go. This was this is what you your students did on this test. This is part of the formula that we use to evaluate whether or not you are in need of um Oh, I see what you're saying. 
No, that's it's never been a part of my evaluation. Okay, because here it, it is. See here, there's something called an um, SGO, a student growth objective. And included in the SGO is both a an evaluation of your students that you make up yourself, basically. So like a test that you might give them or I ready or something like that. Or, uh, you know, have them write an essay that you, they have to show a certain amount of growth from taking it in September to taking it in May. Then there's also, if you have a tested subject, your test, your standardized test scores are included in this SGO and mm. this, you know, student growth objective. And this is all lopped together with a bunch of other stuff into your final evaluation. If you don't have the right components, if your kids really bomb a ta- that test and you also, let's say, didn't have like strong observations or things like that, you can be put on an improvement plan. Hmm. And if you're put on an improvement plan and you don't improve, they can get rid of you. Yeah. So that's the reason that although I would have loved to say, I don't really give a shit what you do on the test. I had to give a shit what they did on the test. We were forced to, and it's disgusting. It should not be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons I, I, I can say that is because it's not really tied into my evaluation, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like they, they kind of deal with it as like a, as a school. I, I can afford to, to say, you know what? I don't really care this that much about this test. Yeah, no, unfortunately, we we could not do that. And uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about some of the other things that people said about, you know, what could be improved. But definitely standardized testing was was a big hit here. One that I think both of us got a lot of answers on, not surprisingly, was administration. And what I saw was a lot of people, and I 100% agree with this, who said people saying that administrators should have to have had a certain amount of time in the classroom before they could become administrators. So some people said 10 years, some people said five years, um, that this, you know, come in, teach for a year while you're getting your certification and then become an admin should not be. And I absolutely agree with that. I I agree too. Now, um, a lot of times I I will kind of come to the defense of administrators, at least a little bit when I went. And and the reason for that is because I think teaching and administrating are, are, are two different jobs with two very different skill sets. And I, I think that has to be acknowledged, but, administrators do have to have an understanding of what teachers do. And I don't Mm -hmm. feel like you can get that kind of appreciation with one or two years of teaching. Several people said that they felt that administrators should be currently teaching, that they should have to teach one class for one marking period or something along those lines, which I don't know how you do that schedule wise. I agree it would be a great idea. I'm just not sure how feasible that is. But, you know, and on the other hand, and I've said this on on here in the past, and uh, one other person said it on one of his comments, was that administrators also need to be trained in how to be managers, how to manage people. They don't have that training. So they need the education piece, but they also need to learn how to 
deal with people and with clientele. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people would complain about like teacher prep programs because they don't focus much on classroom management, which is such a huge component of teaching. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I think along those same lines, principals are not taught how to manage adults and yeah. manage their behaviors. And that's, that's, that's really important. And they, they don't know how, I, you know, you would never see a person become a manager at Apple or Google or anywhere like that without having had appropriate managerial training. Yet you have principals managing large buildings with large amounts of employees and they, they don't have the first clue of how to do that. You know, one of the, one of my um, favorite comments about this and, and I, it, it's such a cool idea was eliminate building level administrative positions. Rotate administrative duties among teachers. Teachers could serve two-year terms before they rotate back to the classroom. I think that's a really interesting idea. I have no idea how something like that would work. I don't like that idea. Yeah? I think it's I interesting, at least. It's, it is it is interesting, but I don't like it. And I, I will tell you why I don't like it. I have seen too many instances in my 14 years of teaching of you're my friend, you're not my friend, you're, you know, uh, too much clickiness amongst yeah. teachers. And you give that person that power. If you're not their friend, you're fucked. And yeah, I, I wonder. I, like, I don't like I, it. I feel, I feel like something like that could work if you, I don't know, there, there's got to be some kind of vetting process. There's got to be, I don't know, like, should it be an elected thing? Like, oh I don't God, know. no! Then, then it's, probably not. No, then it's turn a into popularity a popular... yeah. yeah, you know. I, I mean, it's an it's an interesting idea, but it honestly makes me anxious to even think That's about. That's true. It. There are some makes... people in my building who I would not want. No, you know. Think like... about that. Think about <laughs> that one teacher. Remember how we've talked about that one teacher? Suppose yeah, it's oh, that yeah. one teacher. Oh my God! I mean. <laughs> Uh, and it, and it's that one teacher who you happen to like accidentally insult one day, you know, like you're dead. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you can't even get a fucking stapler if you need it. Like, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, I just see too many red flags with something like that. We also had some people respond that um, curricula needed to change that students needed more practical experiences, that you needed more flexibility in the curriculum to, you know, especially right now, you know, the curriculum is bullshit. It's where are the kids at? But unfortunately, uh, that's not necessarily how everybody sees it. Yeah. So I, I had a couple comments about this one from, from people on Twitter, and it went kind of in a couple of different directions. One was about how corporate, like EDU publishing needs to like just fuck off and like the, the corporate interference in classrooms, you know, But who um, allows that that's allowed I by know, yeah. the board yeah. of ed and superintendents. Right. Right. The other one was like, I teach at a magnet school where kids learn about the field that they want to go in law, business, health, et cetera. They're already taking courses in those subjects. I want all kids to be able to take courses that are important to them and they feel matter to what they want in life. And to me, the problem with that is, Again, it goes back to like what universities are looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you want to get into a college, you need 
so many English classes, so many math classes, so many foreign language and so on and so forth. So if you give kids the opportunity to just take the things that they want and that they're interested in, colleges aren't going to accept them. I also, and this is not necessarily an educational point of view, this is a, more of a personal point of view. I think that asking kids at 15, 16, 17 to take things like law or medicine or things like that, I think that that's wrong. I think that kids should be able to develop their ability to think critically in a variety of ways. And I think that pigeonholing them that early is doing them a disservice. Yeah. And if you're asking a 15 year old, like, okay, you have to decide what you want to do now. Like that's not going to go well. It's look, I, I I mean, I use myself as an example. I've had how many careers at this point, you know, (laughs) when you asked me when I was 15, I was going to be a lawyer, I think, which actually would have one of the ones I didn't do and probably should have. But, you know, I, I just feel like, and, and this, you know, does go back to this question about curriculum that we need to keep in mind that we're not just teaching content, we're teaching yeah. analysis skills, we're teaching thinking, we're teaching problem solving. And those skills can be applied to any career. Yeah. But to say to have a kid say, well, I'm going to take all law classes. You know what, when you're yeah, 15, it- you're taking law classes because you watched you know, Law and Order SVU and you're like, wow, that's cool. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't mean you can't have elective classes that that you can get a taste of those things. Right, like that's why exactly. electives exist, you know? Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I really am not. You know, yeah, unless I, you're I, doing something like the performing arts where you really need to develop your craft. But other than right. that, one of the things I wanted to just touch on briefly that both of us had heard about from people was funding. And specifically that funding for schools in most cases is related to property tax Mm -hmm. and how it has just ruins everything because, you know, obviously more affluent areas can afford better schools because the property is worth more and therefore the money that comes into the coffers of the, of the municipality is larger. I don't know how you change it. I actually didn't realize until I saw the Twitter comments that that was something that happened anywhere, but in my state. So um, it's, uh, it's really terrible. Yeah. Because how do you convince parents in, in wealthy areas that their, that their property taxes should go to schools that their kids don't go to? Yeah. I mean, they did change here. They did change the percentages. They did do a redistribution and it did not go well. It was right before COVID and I honestly don't know where it stands now because so many other things took precedence, but they did do a redistribution. And I remember like my, my district where I taught got more money than it had been getting. And then there were these other districts that got pounded and, you know, the wealthier districts were saying, well, we're going to have to cut certain things, you know, cause we can't afford it anymore. So now I, I wonder, great is, system. is this something that schools can change or is this a government issue it's a it's a state issue okay 
at least in New Jersey, it's a, it's a state issue that that's how schools are funded through the property taxes of municipalities and state. The state also gives money, but that the shortfall has to be made up by the municipality. So yeah, and then of I, course you have like federal funding through things like Title One, right? Right. Like that's yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, somebody else raised a very interesting point when it related to funding that, you know, I, I would assume this is the case in other places as well, but here people vote on the school budget. We don't vote on the police budget. We don't vote yeah. on the recreation and parks department budget. We don't vote on any of the other municipal budgets. Yeah. Why do we vote on the school budget? You know, and the person who presented this, I had never thought about it. You know, uh, there were times, there was at least specifically one year where my job hinged on the budget passing several years ago and before I was tenured. And you have people voting on a budget who knew nothing about education. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, you would never say, well, we should have people who know nothing about policing deciding whether or not. X number of millions of dollars is appropriate. Right. You don't vote for the town budget. That's the only piece of the budget. Why? Why why are people who are not experts on this determining it? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think raising it, you know, raises a lot of other interesting questions about like citizenship and like the things that we vote on and why we have a say in certain things but not other things and mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it's it's none of these questions are easy to answer. Unfortunately. No, no, but I thought that was that was a really valid point. I, yeah. I, something I had never thought about. So the last big category we had had to do with, you know, teacher control, teacher autonomy, respect for society, and basically people answering, just let me teach. And that was from at least the answers I got on Facebook, that was the most prevalent answer. Just let me teach. Stop looking for data. Stop with the whole data driven teaching. Let me, I am an expert. I am educated. I am a professional. Let me figure it out. Let me do my job. Yeah. It, it's like one of those situations where if you ask me to do less, I can actually do more, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. data's great. I love data. I think it needs to be a a part of the conversation, but it should not drive the conversation. No, no. And I mean, as I was describing earlier here, teachers spend so much time on all this, you know, as I said, this, the student growth objectives, the SGOs, that's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Um, we had to do something. And this is, you know, shout out to my friends in New Jersey here, because this is the worst, stupid, most stupid thing ever. We had to do this thing called the documentation log or otherwise known as the doc log. And what you had to do was electronically archive different examples of meeting specific standards. So I had to, yeah, yeah, I know you're, if you could be watching <laughs> Mr. E's face right now, you'd see he's making the appropriate face. So I would have to spend time taking pictures of a note I got from a parent showing that I had parental contact or uploading a lesson plan, uploading this up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 We, we, we the bullshit. Let them let teachers teach. Yeah. We have to do similar things for our observation. We have to post a lesson plan. We have to post materials. 
when I go in for my final evaluation, it's helpful if I can provide contact from parents or examples of me doing all the different various things of the, mm -hmm. not the Danielson rubric, but it's, it's one that's similar. You right. Know. Exactly. Um, and it's that's just, what this was. It was the strong system and it was, we, yeah, we, we have like, like a goal or two that we, we come up with on our own and we have to show evidence of mm -hmm. meeting that goal. And you know what, you know what? I work so hard on that data every time and I hand it to my evaluator during my observation, they mm -hmm. open it, they scan it and they put it aside. Yeah. Oh, it's, nobody, it's, nobody looks at it. Nobody gives a shit. So much crap. And I mean, the amount of time that you spend on stuff like this and, and on, you know, you know, like you said, you have to come up with goals. We had to come up with goals, but we were kind of told, but your goals have to sort of go with the building goals. So basically we were told what our goals were pretty yeah. much, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, you know, I have a, a comment or two here that I thought was great. It was one person said, totally give teachers more auto autonomy over decisions in their classrooms, curriculum, grading rules, homework, everything. They are professionals and have degrees just like lawyers and doctors. I wonder if a lawyer has administrators calculating their every move and then calling them down to the office if they don't agree with their decisions on how to handle cases. If this happened, the entire judicial world would fall apart. Cut mm -hmm. the zip ties on teachers' decisions. Yeah. And yes, there has to be some oversight. Of course sure. there has to be. But there is so little wiggle room now for actually being able to say, I decided to do X. Yeah. I felt that it was appropriate to do Y. I mean, the teachable moment is a dying thing because who has time for the teachable moment? You have to be teaching lesson five, section three today. Yeah. And along those same lines, uh, someone posted this comment. I sometimes believe that the institution of education within this country is treated like a shadow. We know it's there, but we often forget about it until we shine a light on it. What's one thing I would change? Making the institution a higher priority within our society. And mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, we need to be given that respect because I feel like we've earned that respect. I feel like so many teachers have, have earned the respect of the community at large and for whatever reason, it's it's not returned and I, I don't know if it's because like there's just some some shitty teachers out there who ruined it for everybody but like it sucks it does come from the top you have politicians who have taken issue with public education with teachers i mean teachers were called what um uh drug mules i think we were called in in new jersey by uh chris christie that we oh, were that dude's a psychopath <laughs> yeah, that psychopath uh, caused my pension to be fucked up. Okay. Uh. Like it, it, you know, so you have that. And then you have parents also saying, well, teachers are just babysitters. Look at how much we get paid. It's certainly not commensurate with the education that teachers have. Look how much work teachers do off the clock. Yeah. And that yeah. was actually something a lot of people mentioned too, is having more time to prep that they are paid for. So, <laughs> you know, I got so many good responses on Twitter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I, I also got, let's call them head scratchers. Mm -hmm. um, okay. 
And I just I just want to go through these just just rapid fire. We don't have to talk about them or anything, but I I, I want to give them some room to breathe <laughs> a little bit. Okay. So first one, CRT. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Biggest problem in education, apparently. <laughs> okay. Where where is that person? Go ahead. I don't know. Unrelatable nonfiction articles in their text. Good gravy. I actually, that's not the thing I would most focus on to change, but um, we used a, a terrifyingly awful program when I was teaching fifth grade. It, it was terrible. And, and I stand behind what that person says. I mean, there are things I know about ovens. Okay. It was like articles about the types of ovens there are. <laughs> I, I shit you not. Okay? Do you know what, do you know what curriculum it was? Oh God. I, I can't remember it. Uh, I can't remember. It was, was it like a reading thing or a writing? It was thing? a reading thing. Okay. It was a re it was a, a reading thing. And they, they bought it for the entire district, like, you know, the entire like primary grades. And it was just awful i i i'm going to actually text one of my friends right okay. now to ask her <laughs> what what it was it was awful but so, yeah go ahead uh, keep going i've got a, got a couple more um ieps for every single student they're all individuals with strengths and weaknesses interests and dislikes and all can learn something let's help them find more talents strengthen their interests and current skills knowledge and abilities they can and should have externships i don't even know what like IEP is well, for every student? Like what? Obviously that person has no clue what a real IEP is. Yeah, like what does that mean? Like anyway, remove cell phone and cell phones and social media. I can't compete with big tech and the dopamine hit they get. I I get like not being able to compete with the dopamine hit. Like I get it, mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. let's not remove all tech from the classroom. Like you can you can use that stuff in a positive way, I think. Suck it up. Step yeah. into step into 2022, dude. Yeah. Come on. This one, and I actually did kind of go back and forth with this dude a little bit because, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, don't permit illegals to attend our public school classrooms. Ooh. Improve ESOL and let them learn there. Teachers are unable to challenge your son or daughter while attempting to include illegals in concepts beyond their abilities to process. Wow. Yeah. Fuck, now, dude. Like, like <laughs> if, if this guy or woman had said, you know, perhaps hadn't used the term illegals, had said non-English speakers, have them learn the language first before... I could actually say there's would be some merit to the argument because I feel like a lot of schools do that. They have their programs for newcomers and, and they, right. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this, that my school did not. Sure. And, and what he's saying was true. Like it was just too much, yeah. but the fact that he called them illegals. Yeah, dude. And I wow. just, uh, yeah, I didn't, I, 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 I really didn't know that, you know, uh, Ted Cruz followed our Twitter. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Senator. Oh, man. Nice, nice hearing from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a couple of head scratchers, not too many, actually. I, I had do away with AP classes. 
no reason why, just no AP. And of course, people jumped on that and were like, why, what? And the person never came back and, and said hmm. why. And the other one, which I thought was really weird, was that all related services should be in a separate building from the schools. Like related, like what, what do they mean by that? Counselors, OT, PT, speech, like what? You know, and so a counselor like responded and said, like, how am I going to help kids if I'm in a building somewhere else? Like, what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. You know, it was clearly somebody who doesn't like kids being pulled out of their classroom. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. But it, it was just a weird, weird response. You know, overall, uh, thank everyone. Thank you, everyone who who responded. If only we could make it so, you know. Yeah. And and. I reached out to a lot of people and asked if I could read their comments. Obviously, I didn't get to read all of them. Um, mm -hmm. So if you are one of those folks who who responded and, and I didn't read your comment, I apologize. There were just so many. Mm -hmm. But you guys are awesome. You guys crushed it. Thank you so much for for the uh, the contribution. Uh, yes, it, it, was, we, it was really, really awesome. We really ap appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll be hitting you all up for more things because, you know, these are provocative questions that we have. Absolutely. 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 Okay. Well, it is time for pop quiz. Again, I would like to say before we start, please send us questions. We are really, uh, no bullshit. We're really running out of questions. So <laughs> before you know it, we're, we're going to have to start repeating it. I mean... It's okay, but we yeah, not. fine. Yeah, whatever. We'll figure okay. it out. Okay, Mr. E, would you like to ask your question first? Well, I want to give you time to think of an answer for my question. So why don't you <laughs> go first? I can't talk and think at the same time. <laughs> That's evident. Okay, so my question, which of course I looked at before and said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I looked at it literally a minute ago and I've forgotten. It is... Um, what is something that you always have thought is odd about your school? Odd about my school. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, th there's a couple things. Like one is just the extreme temperature difference mm. from one room to the next, to one hallway to the next. And mm. like, I mean, my room is just always hot this year, mm. always. And in previous years, like we had to like move my class to the library because it was freezing cold. It sounds like they fixed it and overfixed it. They overcorrected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's just crazy. You go from one room to the next and just wild fluctuations in temperatures. It's like my, my our building is is menopausal, I guess. <laughs> No comment. Okay. <laughs> what about you? I guess one of the things that was I found odd about my building is that right outside my door, there was a uh, glass case with posters and things inside. And there was a poster for Fire Safety Week. And it was a poster from 2007. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and <laughs> And the reason that it was still there was that somebody had lost the key to this glass case. And so they never were able to open it and oh, change the poster. <laughs> so I never noticed it. It was outside my room. And the first year, I didn't really notice it until one of my friends pointed it out to me. And that was 
to me, the great, the, like I would see it and every time I'd walk past it, I would just start laughing. And I pointed it out to my students. I'm like, were you even born when this poster was put into this room? I don't think so. That's funny. Yeah. And it's probably still there. <laughs> I, I that's, that is one odd thing about my building. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. It just was weird. One more very odd thing about my school building is you cannot run in, in the staff room. You can't run the microwave and the Keurig at the same time. You will, <laughs> you will, you will short out the breaker. <laughs> All right. Here, here's my question. Okay. What is the most oddly satisfying thing about teaching or being a teacher? Hmm. Now, could I, I, I know you, why don't you, you said, give your answer? Cause I'm okay. struggling. All right. So for me, the most oddly satisfying thing is when I give things to the librarian to have laminated and she gives them back and I get to cut the laminate the, the excess <laughs> off of the posters it's the most satisfying like because like i don't know there's the feeling the sound the like it's like so, I, it's like oddly soothing it's like i, I don't know get that. i, I, I get that except we did our own lamination so you should consider yourself right. lucky that you have you can <laughs> hand it off to someone but yeah i get i that's a good one. You know I that feeling, it. right? I do. I loved that actually. I, <laughs> I found that very relaxing. That's that that's wow, that is that is pretty good. I would say the most oddly satisfying thing was every morning when I would walk into my classroom and no one was there but me. And I would shut the door behind me, turn on the lights. And just, especially my elementary room, because it, the sun was coming in just by virtue of where the room was, but that quiet and that was my space, mine and my classes, but it was just every day it was sort of that, okay, here we go kind of feeling. And I, I yeah. like that. That was that was really a satisfying feeling. Of course, you know, an hour later, I was ready to have oh, it's myself utter chaos. Raptors, yeah. But, yeah. but that that quiet, that pre, you know, everything was clean, everything was put away. I was, you know, getting ready for the day. And it was the anticipation and just, you know, it was before I went to the faculty lounge and saw that the copier was broken. You know, it was there was that peaceful feeling before any of the bullshit happened. That was, you know, satisfying. I but, like that. It's a good answer. Yeah. But I like yours too. Cause yeah, that's. Oh man. I just, something, <laughs> something in my soul just connects with that feeling. And the I kids love, love doing that too. Like I would say oh, to yeah. them, you know, like I would come back with those big sheets and then, Oh, yo miss. Can I cut those out? Like, <laughs> Only if you behave, you know, it's like, <laughs> they love that. Okay. All right. Well, again, thank you to everyone who contributed to our episode. We really appreciate it. Thanks again to Josie from Short Quest Long Rest for doing our intro. And thanks to Mrs. E for our artwork. And thank you to Scotty for making us sound wonderful and competent or, you know, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to all of you for listening. If you like what we're doing here on the show, you can help us out in a couple different ways. Spread the word about our show. Tell your friends. Share with your, your teacher friends or non-teacher friends or family or whoever. Share us on social media. And please leave us a review and a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And where can people find us on social media? On Facebook at Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod, on Instagram at WTBOTTCast, or Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod, at our website, Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod.podbean.com, or you can email us at WTBOTTCast at gmail.com. And before we continue this, I just remembered the name of that series. It was called Literacy by Design, and it was awful. Okay. <laughs> Back at you, Mr. E. <laughs> All right. You can also find us on Twitter at WTBOTTCast. You can find our subreddit at r backslash WTBOTT underscore teacher underscore pod. And you can find us on YouTube by searching WTBOTT channel. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. So please, please, please stay safe. And remember to breathe behind a really good mask. See ya. Or, or two. <laughs> <laughs>